0: Hey everyone, Matt Straub here, welcoming you to the Roto-World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The first round of the playoffs is getting close to its conclusion, and what a thrill it has been. Seven out of eight first-round series are either at three games to one or already over in a four-game sweep. The exception, and thank you to the Spurs and Nuggets for being tied at two games each as we record. We appreciate it. Today, Steve Alexander is with me, and we are here to conduct some exit interviews for players whose seasons are over, playoff teams whose seasons are over. That means the Pistons and the Pacers, both unceremoniously swept by the Bucs and Celtics. But we're going to look at their fantasy outlooks for next year for the prominent players on those teams. So here we go, Steve. Let's start with the Pistons. First up, Andre Drummond. And I think I'm going to speak first, Steve. Andre, what I'd like you to work on this offseason is your
1: three-point shooting. Steve? (laughs) Steve? Yeah, and you also could do uh, some work at the free-throw line, I think. Andre Drummond had a big year, man. He was a very reliable DFS player, a very reliable fantasy center. I got no issues with Andre Drummond. I, I like him quite a bit. You know, if Blake Griffin was healthy and could have been a nice compliment to Andre Drummond, maybe things could have turned out differently. But the Bucks are really good and the Pistons have now been swept in three straight playoff series with a couple years off in between.
0: Ouch. I, too, really like Drummond as a fantasy player. I think I'm getting a little greedy. I am intrigued that he shot 38 three-pointers this year, even though he only made five of them. I'm hoping he can somehow pull a Brook Lopez, not not at the same volume that Brook Lopez did, but kind of suddenly. I mean, much crazier things have happened, I think you would agree, Steve, than Andre Drummond coming back and hitting like 50 or 60 three-pointers next year.
1: Yeah, I mean... If Brooke Lopez could do it, then I I think uh, and Bo- Boogie Cousins, who was the other guy? There's one one other center that just all of a sudden went crazy from well, downtown.
0: I mean, Dwayne Dedmon didn't go crazy, but he's another guy who just suddenly like, oh yeah, Dwayne Dedmon makes threes now. I mean, it's just it's happening, you know, all over the place.
1: Yeah, it is. And what'd you say, Drummond hit 38 this year? No, he 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 attempted 38. <laughs> he he made five. He made five. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe he'll shoot 70 next year and hit 10. I mean, yeah, but, you know, look, he shot 30. You know, Brooke Lopez made that crazy jump from. It was crazy, like five in his career to whatever.
0: Yeah, he went from two three-pointers, two for 14 in 2015-16, to making 134 the next year. Man. And that was two years ago, and then he made 112, and then this year he made 187. So I'm not. Anywhere close to saying Drummond is going to do that, but I think there's a chance. Yeah. yeah, I mean, is he gonna make hundred next year? No. I think I think he can make fifty. Why not? Let's aim for fifty, Andre. Blake Griffin is next on our list, uh, the next exit interview. I mean, I think we know what Griffin is as a fantasy player. Like there were some years early on where we were drafting him really early in drafts. He's been forty-fourth overall, fifty-eighth overall, and sixty-first overall in nine category leagues the last three years. That's per basketballmonster.com good in points, rebounds, assists, and threes. I think we can say the ship has fully sailed on defensive stats. Uh, His first four years, he averaged 1.0 steals and 0.6 blocks. You know, we were always hoping, oh, maybe he can get to be like a one steal, one block per game guy. However, the last five years, he's averaged 0.8 steals and 0.4 blocks. Uh, Blake Griffin plays more below the rim than above it these days, and that's just where we're at. Where are you with, with Blake as a fantasy player, Steve?
1: Uh, I, I'm very lukewarm on Blake Griffin from fantasy. Like you would think guys that could jump out of the gym would automatically be shot blockers, but he has proven that that is not the case. And now he doesn't really jump out of the gym anymore. And in these playoffs, he was playing on one leg, you know, props to Blake Griffin though, man. I mean, I don't know if everyone would have been out there playing in that game last night. They were down 15 points in the fourth quarter. He's still out there. Trying to will his team to, to extend the misery for one more game. He was fired game. up. He was fired up. I mean, he was trying line. really hard. And props to Blake. So, uh, but fantasy wise, I mean, if he's sitting there in the fifth or sixth round, I, I'll probably take him. But I, he's not a guy that I I circle and target on draft night. Yeah, he starts to to land on my radar around the, the
0: fifty mark. And uh, I have a feeling in, in plenty of leagues he might go before that, and that's okay with me. I'm okay if you get him and I don't. But, you know, if I get him after 50, I'm fine with that.
1: You know, he's a he's a guy that used to be a terrible free throw shooter. And uh, he kind of turned that around to where he's, he's at least respectable and doesn't ruin your team there anymore. So, you know, I, I think I have more good things to say about Bled Griffin than bad. I think I do, too.
0: I mean, yeah— if you if you're willing to accept and you're just okay that you're not going to get defensive stats i think you'd be pretty happy with him overall 76% from the line this year after Blake Griffin we realize that the pistons are not or at least we're not this year a fantasy factory uh the next highest player in non-category leagues would be Reggie Jackson at 142nd overall um he got some points got some assists got some threes this year but like Emmanuel Moutier, he was just not that good of a fantasy player and I am mostly not interested next year. There is an asterisk, which I'll tell you in a second. What, what are your thoughts on Reggie? Do you have anything you want to say to him?
1: I was surprised that you were able to hold off Ish Smith as long as you were, which was basically all season. I mean, I think I had Ish Smith in DFS last night. I think he had seven points on FanDuel. Uh, <laughs> Reggie, had, a, Reggie he had another big game. I'll tell you what. Reggie was – you were almost serviceable as a point guard in fantasy this year. <laughs> so close. I mean, we're, we called Manuel Moutier
0: serviceable and I think he actually ranked lower than Reggie, but there's just something so serviceable about Moutier. Uh, <laughs> Reggie actually had a good, uh, a good sweep, uh, average 18 points, seven assists in that four game loss to Milwaukee. The one, the one asterisk for me on Reggie Jackson, which I mentioned is he actually is in his walk year next year and he could potentially have a big, a big walk year. He's 29 and, you know, last chance to get a big contract. I don't think he'll get that big of a contract, but, you know, aiming for a multi-year deal of some kind. uh, So I could see him actually having a pretty good year next year. That would be the one reason for me to draft him, you know, sometime after 100 in fantasy.
1: Yeah, I kind of like that angle. And he also strikes me as a guy who could really use a change of scenery, get out of Detroit, you know, sign with somebody else, and you know, at some point go just try something different. I, just Detroit, to me, is sort of a, a basketball black hole. I I don't know. I'm not feeling it.
0: Yeah. Something about the Dwayne Casey regime has not led to a lot of excitement, you know, Drummond notwithstanding. There is one guy who I have sort of uh, circled as maybe making a small leap next year, and that would be Luke Kennard. Per 36 minutes, he averaged 15.4 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists, 0.7 steals, and 2.7 threes. So... Maybe next year, Kennard makes a little leap and kind of becomes a nice late-round find for people.
1: Yeah, I like him. He was a waiver-wire guy. um, Waiver-wire all-star. Oh, yeah, waiver-wired column all-star. Yeah, he was one of the guys I wrote about more than most in the waiver-wire column. He had good games. He never really crossed that plateau, though. He never really hit that upper echelon that I was hoping he would, but... I mean, certainly a serviceable waiver wire guy. No question. The other thing
0: I like about Luke Kennard is that when you search his name on Basketball Reference, (laughs) uh, the only other player with Kennard in his name is a player named Kennard Winchester, who played in the early 90s, and that's an awesome name.
1: I wish my name was Kennard Winchester. Kennard
0: Winchester. I mean, not not a great NBA career, averaged 3.4 points per game for the Knicks and Rockets, but that is a Hall of Fame name. Moving on to the Pacers swept by the Celtics. Let's start with Miles Turner. Uh, Miles, I I have to say I was not kind to you early in the year when it came to fantasy. I did not think it was going to happen when Turner was averaging 11 points and 5 rebounds into late November. I I think I was screaming from the rooftops. Like, why does everyone like this guy so much in fantasy? I don't get it. Then Miles turned it on last 50 games, around 14 points, 8 rebounds, with 1.0 steals, 2.7 blocks, and 1.43s. So... Uh yeah, that'll do it. Still just 23 years old, I will now fight for him in drafts and you know, you may have to take him inside the top 20 though.
1: Yeah, I I really le- uh, like Miles Turner. He burned me the year before last or I guess last year. He was good for me this year. He's he's always even though he was good this year, like like you said early in the season, it was easy to rip on him and say, you know, why why isn't this guy doing what I thought he was going to do. And and he still hasn't really had that breakout season. And I kind of feel like he still has it inside of him. So I think think next year he really could take it to another level. And I think after getting swept in the playoffs by Boston, the team they should have been able to compete with uh, a little better. Hopefully the Pacers go to Turner and, and tell him, look, we need you to put this team on your back and and be the horse. So I think there is a lot of upside and a lot of potential coming his way.
0: And he did start, you know, for anyone thinking, oh, well, Turner just flipped it on after Oladipo's season ended. He did start to turn it on before Oladipo was done for the year. So it wasn't just a phenomenon where Turner suddenly took off, you know, when that offense opened up without Oladipo. Now let's talk about Victor Oladipo. He was closer to top 50 than top 10 in the 36 games he played this year, now coming back from a pretty brutal knee injury. Steve, are you going anywhere close to Depot in your drafts next year? And I'll pair that with the question, like, what if you can get him in, you know, something like the 35 to 40 range, hypothetically?
1: Yeah, man, I went all in on Ola Depot this year. and I How'd drafted, that work out? <laughs> took him, you know, at the end of round one or early round two uh, a bunch of times, and did not end well. I had him and Vooch on my thirty-team league, and we would have really made some noise had had Oladipo been around. But you're right. When he, even when he was healthy and playing, the numbers were not what we were expecting. And and I know when he got hurt, right before he got hurt, I was like, "Man, Oladipo's bound. He's got to turn it on at some point." Like we thought that the best was yet to come, and then it was over. So it was a rough year for him. Now he's coming off the knee. I. I'm going to treat him as a mid-round value pick, probably. Yeah. I mean,
0: it's hard to imagine him falling too much further than, you know, where I mentioned him. But maybe. Maybe he does. I don't imagine I'll get him in many of my drafts. And I think there's a chance whoever drafts him uh, ends up getting, you know, you got a shot at a at a great bounce back year. You know? I mean... No one was forecasting Demarcus Cousins to come back. Well, some people were, but but a lot of people didn't expect Demarcus Cousins to come back and, and look like himself. And that's a different injury, but it's a brutal injury. So much crazier things have happened than Old Depot coming back and, you know, looking really impressive. But you also have to worry about, you know, is load management going to enter the conversation with Old Depot this season? Is he going to play Kawhi Leonard esque 60 games? So. With all of that in the equation, I, I hope to stay away.
1: Yeah, and the other thing about Oladipo is he has one of those names that resonates with people. Everybody knows who Victor Oladipo is. He, he's, his name alone carries an extra weight with it. So chances are you're going to pay more for Oladipo next year than, than you should. But that's just the way it is. Different story for
0: Thaddeus Young, who had a very quiet, workmanlike Downright boring top 70 season in fantasy. Uh, 65th overall in nine category leagues. Listen to this, Steve, listen to this stunning collection of numbers. (laughs) 12.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 1.6 steals, 0.5 blocks, 0.63s. I mean, if that doesn't knock you out of your chair, I don't know what will. He's too bland for me. I'm not going to draft him in the middle rounds. He does have value, though, and some savvy fantasy owner will probably get him much later than they should.
1: Well, I think his values all tied up in his steals. He's always been someone who gets a lot of steals, and he's also been someone who is, <laughs> for lack of, of, of a better word, I mean, he's a serviceable NBA power forward. That's that's what he does. That's he should be the poster child for this podcast. But um, you know, Thaddeus Young is he's a guy that will be there in the. 10th or 11th round and that's when you take him and you just plug him in and let him go he's not going to win you a championship but he's not going to hurt your team he'll probably make it better it's a he's a, a phenomenal value there it's just not exciting we're all
0: looking to you know to hit a home run that late but someone who takes him around 100 if you can get in there that's smart i mean you just jumped you know three rounds in value yeah so, good job to whoever took him in the draft in the future i mean we're talking <laughs> the future good pick smart pick I'm not making it, but that's a smart pick. Uh, Darren Collison is another guy who I expect to end up on none of my teams, but you know what he is, Steve? And I'll say, I'm just going to say it. He's pretty serviceable as well. The Pacers are sort of, I mean, this is a serviceable squad. Uh, Collison was 84th overall in nine category leagues. You know, slow start, but he he got it done again around 11 points, six assists, some steals,
1: some threes, low turnovers. 11 points and six assists puts you in the top 85 it does man it does because
0: well and and keep in mind like under two turnovers per game good percentages this is more about what he doesn't do wrong he's a guy who just doesn't kill you in the in those in percentages or turnovers so that helps his value
1: yeah i thought he was going to be better when he came over to the pacers when oladipo went down I really thought he was going to be more of like a, you know, 16 points and seven assists guy, but he just never really crossed the threshold. And he, man, if you get Thaddeus Young, you might as well, you might as well take Darren Collison too, because they're about as bland as it gets. Yeah. You could really put together, maybe that's a
0: different podcast episode, is like the most bland just all percentage low turnover team you can put together maybe we try to build that roster this offseason and we try to build the just completely reckless roster of, of horrible percentages and high turnovers and see which <laughs> one we like better that's an episode note to self that's an episode for later in the summer uh meanwhile bojan bogdanovich was pretty good this year but again kind of a top 90 guy good in points and threes and percentages Totally fine, maybe even slightly underrated, around 18 points per game, plenty of threes, nearly a steal per game, You know, gets a couple of assists per game. Not a guy who will end up on many of my teams, but maybe he should. And definitely the, the other note I wrote is he's a guy I'd love to have in a deeper league, like the 30-team league we play in, 30 deep. He's awesome for that. And in a deeper league, I think he's even more valuable than in a shallow
1: league. I still can't believe those two B Bogdanoviches in the NBA.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they're both both pretty good. They are um, both
1: pretty good. Well, they're they're both serviceable at least. God, we say I I got to stop. <laughs> it's it's Man, hard. I mean, once you start, it's got to stop. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's try not to say it again the rest of this show. Okay. Uh Bogdanovich again, a guy I won't be targeting a lot next year. I do kind of like him though. I like him as a pacer. He seems to fit really well on that team. Fills in the gaps when guys are missing as well. But uh, he is what he is. He's Like you said, he's like three categories, and that's about it.
0: Very durable, though. Also, uh, 80 games played and 81 games played the last two years. One other name on the Pacers to ponder would be Demonte Sabonis. He averaged around 14 points, nine boards, three assists this year. Defensive stats were not there for him. He did rise from 165th in nine category leagues to 112th this season. It just doesn't feel like, you know, with the Pacers roster built the way it is, that there's much, you know, more ceiling for him kind of in a platoon with Miles Turner. Do you agree, Steve? You know, I like the player. I wish he got more defensive stats. I I don't really see a blueprint to much higher than top 100
1: value. Yeah, I don't either. As long as Miles Turner is there, it's going to be really hard for him. Uh, Arvidas Savonis was one of my favorite players. Portland Trailblazer, this is his kid. But he's not in a very good spot in Indy being uh, stuck behind Turner. And I I think that pretty much sums up his fantasy value. You know, maybe you take him uh, with your last round pick in a regular standard draft, if you need a backup center, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think he's worth owning, but that's about it. That's about as much as you can say. Meanwhile, the Magic, Nets, Clippers, Thunder, and Jazz are all on the ropes, down 3-1 to as of this taping, but you do not get an exit interview on this podcast until you're officially out, so they're all going to have to wait. Steve, quickly, some news and notes before we get out of here. Just a couple topics to hit. The Suns, as you may have heard, have fired their coach, uh, Igor Kokoskov, And I think everyone in the basketball universe is just kind of asking the question, why? It's a rhetorical question, I think. But what? (laughs) Is there anything else to say?
1: (laughs) Not really. I mean, what? I don't really know what is going on in Phoenix. I don't, like, since Tom Chambers dunked (laughs) and Charles Barkley was there, I mean, and Steve Nash, like, what is going on? They have seven uh, small forwards seven NBA starting small forwards on that team. I think they have a coach nobody's ever heard of who had no chance with this group of people on his team. And now he gets fired. I, I, again, I, I don't know. And I don't know how you can build something. If you keep starting over, like I, I don't have any idea what's going on.
0: It's been widely written that Devin Booker will now be playing for his fifth head coach at age 22. But, are you, is that how you're trying to get him to stay?
1: <laughs> what? I mean, okay. All right. Whatever. Matt, think about that. Five head coaches and he's 22 years old. It's crazy. It's I crazy. don't even, I don't, that doesn't even seem possible.
0: It's just so befuddling. Like, there's nothing really new. I don't have anything new to say just because it seems like, you know, Kokoshkov was kind of universally appreciated as, like, you know, a, a smart basketball mind and, i just don't get it like what are you firing him for and it 1963 all- weren't you expecting to go night didn't you want to go 1963 <laughs> that's what you Where, wanted he executed he the plan trying
1: to go yeah if he
0: had gone 40 and 42 you fire him all right I'm is done. it all robert sarver is is that's i mean that seems to be the sort of the underlying thing that i re- that i read i you know yeah Is his, is his hero james dolan Jimmy Dolan. I mean. His idol. Great times. Great times. His mentor. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> uh, one other thing on a more positive note. We had a, we had a road or blurb up recently about Miles Bridges, you know, and about his strong finish to the season. This is Coach James Borrego on Bridges from this article on NBA.com after the Hornets regular season end, ended. Is this a quote we would mention during the regular season? Probably not, but it's the off season, so we have time. Brago said, I didn't really have expectations of him coming in. I just wanted him to grow. And what I can say is that Miles Bridges grew throughout the season. He became a starter for us. He belongs in this league. He belongs out there on that floor. He ignited us over, those, over these last two or three weeks, and his ceiling is very high. I can't wait to watch him work this summer. The first game you see him on the floor next year, I think you'll see a much different player. He understands what he needs to work on. We have a lot of time before we tip off next season. Okay, We don't really take coaches at their word all the time. Coaches say things, and they don't really mean anything. But I think there's something to this. You know, especially to me, the line, he became a starter for us, I think resonates with me. Bridges' last 12 games, around 12 points, 6 boards, 3 assists, 1.3 steals, 0.9 blocks, 1.5 threes, 22 appearances in the waiver-wired column. Uh, (laughs) His per-36 numbers were were right around there. So I really like this guy hitting next year, and he's a guy I'm going to have circled after we get
1: past the middle rounds of drafts. Well, and you you gotta be excited about a guy when a coach says stuff like that about him and the fact that he's going to come back next year and we're not even going to recognize the player that we, we know in his first game of the season. Like he's expecting him to take a huge leap next year. I think this has the makings of him getting super sleeper status from Roto world right away. Like, I think we're going to be super high on him next year.
0: I agree, and I almost wish we could draft right now so that it would be easier to get him right now than it would be to get him in October, probably. So that's going to be annoying. But, yeah, I'm excited about him. I'm intrigued, and I like it. Steve, anything for you uh, that you'd like to add before we uh, get out of here on this episode?
1: I'm going to the Atlanta Braves game on Friday. I'm pretty psyched about that.
0: And are there any bobbleheads being given out at that game?
1: Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. bobblehead night. Oh, very nice. Ironically. Isn't that a weird coincidence? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy that. That is about it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. And you can rate and review the show as well. Uh, Mike Gallagher will be back on Friday with his weekly episode. We will be back next Wednesday and just about every Wednesday throughout the playoffs and offseason season. That is it for us. Thank you for listening. Steve, we will talk to you soon. Good night. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference.